You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. It's Rishchad Yishivan. Tough. Shin Pei Gimel, 2023. I say this because uh, I'm going to re-release some episodes from last year and from actually three years ago, which I think are relevant uh, to um, the federal holiday that uh, we have just passed, Juneteenth. Uh, this is a holiday that celebrates the Emancipation Proclamation uh, being spread throughout the country. Obviously, when Lincoln issued that proclamation, um, there was it was a period of war, and in many states, uh, the news didn't get through. And slavery was still in force. And when the Union soldiers were able to reach that port in Texas and other places, um, slaves understood that they were free, tied, had turned uh, a new page in American history uh, was ready to be written. And it's been a long and difficult struggle. And uh, in many ways, uh, the issues that uh, were so relevant at the start of the Civil War, vis-a-vis slavery, uh, they've had new iterations in today's times. And because of that, Juneteenth, a federal holiday, is a time to sort of think back about what America's past was, where the future lies, and for our platform, about where we as Jewish people can relate, can contribute, and can understand, and can show a parallel. So there are actually two programs um, that we're going to be presenting special for today. Uh, The one on uh, this first podcast is a re-release that came on the heels of the George Floyd killing and the riots that ensued. and it's a discussion between Rabbi Kamen Warch and myself. As I've said before, that program is now dormant. However, um, I do think that although and I edited out a little bit of the introduction that sort of really creaks from the past, but I think that from the point that the conversation begins, I think uh, you'll hear uh, pretty distinct perspectives about what the Orthodox Jewish community's role should be uh, when these incidents flare up, and in general, a sort of a condemnation, I think, from both of us about what had been Jewish education and Jewish attitude and explaining why. So here is, from three years ago, a discussion between Rabbi Warch and myself about the attitudes that the Orthodox Jewish community has to the Black community, especially in that period right after the George Floyd killing, and for Juneteenth, I hope you guys appreciate this. Um, I do believe that the, the, this event, the event of um, of uh, of police versus the African American community, has brought out uh, an issue which has been festering for a long time. You're right; people have their agendas. I, I want to zero in on, on one thing, and, and I zero in on it because although Chicago is not free of racial strife, um, 
I, living in the Northeast all these years, especially before we were all running away from Corona, the big uh, topic uh, in New York and others was an uptick in anti-Semitism. There were attacks uh, throughout the five boroughs where Jews were assaulted, the, very, the, the horrific Hanukkah um, uh, attempt to stab and, and hurt uh, and, and the Jersey City, which would have been a Jersey City massacre, and, and, and it definitely was a terrible massacre of people who died, but could have been much, much worse. And all those events were events that um, the perpetrators, the people who were definitely in the wrong, were the African-American community. People from the African-American community, not the community. And because of that, there was a, uh, a discussion about has something happened? Uh, has there been a crumbling, bit, uh, almost a deterioration between sections and sectors of the African-American community and the Jewish community, specifically the Orthodox representatives? What these, those events were bringing out was that, and we can take this back 20, 30 years to the Crown Heights riots and others, that the, there was a perception, a strong one. And it wasn't just the guy who came in with the gun, but even among the quiet neighbors and good people behind the fences, that the Jews, Orthodox Jews, have a very negative feeling towards the African-Americans, a, a dismissive feeling. The fact that their homes were being bought by primarily Hasidish from people to move in, to find places to live. And then there was the perception that they were getting special treatment by the city and this, wherever it was, whether it was Crown Heights or in Jersey City. And what was created was this idea that this was another extension of what the African-American community would call the man, the power, fight the power. The Orthodox Jews were part of that. And because of that, although nobody justified the murder, there was some soul searching that I think was done and that needed to be done and still needs to be done on our part. We need to show a greater understanding and solidarity to that community. And I, and I think that we are sorely lacking. And I think you, as, a, as an educator, of the Illinois Center of Jewish Studies, and myself, although as the curator <laughs> of the Yeshiva of Newark podcast, I think we need to do whatever we can in our public roles to create greater sensitivity and understanding and to actually issue statements of support to that community. Okay, that's my... That's my first. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to um, agree with you on one in one part, and disagree with you uh, on another part. I do think that in within our education system, we are very behind in the what in the approach towards the respect towards man in general, 
Tzalem Alukim, as is, uh, I mean, there's some level of debate as to, um, you know, when we use the term Tzalem Alukim, which is created in the image of God, uh, as to how exactly to define that, but it seems that we understand, it is our understanding, that this applies to all mankind, and not just those, and the proof is from the story in Yeshua, where he, even though they were the enemies who were killed, he made sure that they were um, taken off and buried, because they also qualify even though they were our sworn enemies whom we had to eradicate, they still qualified for this concept of the Tzalem Elohim, the image of God is up there and we have to respect it. And so we, I agree with you that we have not done a good job in our education of teaching our children about diversity, about respect for different cultures and different people and not looking down at certain communities, just because they aren't um, in, uh, of the um, Jewish or religious or in, in, of that kind. However, in terms of the Jewish community taking a step to enter the arena and to issue statements, picking a side, I, I think that that's a very dangerous move. And uh, I think that it's, um, I'm not sure, and maybe you can elaborate on this, what, what, what's compelling it, in other words, what's missing as a result of that, to blame anti-Semitism on the lack of our, I'm not sure anti-Semitism will be cured with, with an occasional uh, um, um, you know, um, mass email being sent out by any one specific religious organization condemning picking sides. I don't think that's the solve anti-Semitism uh, this political arena in that way brings us into the spotlight and is a dangerous thing. And if I may, before I ask you to your thoughts on this, I'd like to throw out another statement from, from our sages where the Gemara tells us that when um, Achashverosh and Vashti um, had their little uh, um, spat um, the, it says that Achashverosh called in um, those, uh, they called in the rabbis and said, what's the right thing to do? And the Gemara makes it very clear that the rabbis took a huddle and they said, listen, if we tell him that he's gonna, that he should let his wife live, then he'll say later that we don't respect the king and we, uh, we disregarded his honor. If we tell him to kill his wife, he'll say that you guys um, had some political agenda to get my wife killed for whatever reason. So either way, we're going to end up in the negative. So, and they came back to Achashverosh and they said to him, listen, we Jews were great advisors. We agree. We were the advisors to the king while we had our um, access to spiritual truth while the base of English we're in exile. We're in exile. Our wisdom is lost from us. We're not the right people to ask. Go to the Ammonites and the Moabites. They, they've been sitting on, on their land like the sediments on the wine. They know their stuff. And go to them, which is what the, kings, the king did. And the Jews avoided the problem. It seems like they were right about it from the way that our sages presented, which means don't stick your head in a battle between the lions. Don't get involved in a battle between Vashti and Achashverosh, and don't get involved directly. Again, I, I want to make it very clear. We're not talking about individuals who provide support for their neighbors. And we're talking about as an organization, as a community, representing, picking a side, according to this Gemara, is a bad idea. All right. Well, Carmen, once again, you've shown that you're a, a, a person who, makes inventive leaps from Chazal and Medroshim. A couple of weeks ago was Nachshon ben Aminodov. Now it's the advisors at, at the Zman of Achashverosh. 
And the problem with doing that, of course, is that it, it ignores the realities of today. Uh, in those days, you're right, you had a despot and you had advisors who uh, talk up, shut up, I'll kill you. So they probably made the right choice. Today, what I am advocating, although you didn't even hear me say it, but I'll, I'll say it clearer now. When I'm advocating, yes, of course, education from the ground up and statements, positive statements of support, not like you say, not necessarily in the heat of the battle, but there shouldn't be this perception that we're always going to go with the man. We need to, uh, if an event occurs, we need to know how to to issue measured statements. That's why Bell and others are experts at that. My friend Moish Bain, who's at the OU, they know how to craft a statement. They've they've danced around Corona. They've danced around other things, and I think they are able to do that. I think what there needs to be on record, just like I told you about Trump a couple of weeks ago, there needs to be on record statements from us. And those statements have to come from our leaders. They can't come from some um, uh, Allen Ginsberg, Abby Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman. It can't come from just some guy who happens to be Jewish. It has to come from the people that we respect for speaking for us whether it be the Novominskers, Atzal, someone like that, who would get up there and, and talk about the pain that we feel for a community that was brought in chains to this country. And that even though there was an Emancipation Proclamation, there was Jim Crow, there was lynchings, there was terror. And we need to remember that in the beginning of the 20th century, the Klan had two targets, the Jews and the Blacks the Jews and what's called today the African-Americans, and Jews and Negroes. And I am not going to tell you that I think uh, A.J. Heschel was a tzaddik for marching with Martin Luther King. But I will say that what was brought out then was a very positive part of what makes us Jews. And in today's society, unlike Ahasuerus' time, where the Sefer Zechroinus would be taken out, the Sefer Zechroinus is everywhere now. It's not hidden in some little dusty place. It's out there on the internet and in the archives. And there, has, there should be more statements. Statements of support done in a measured way that show that we re- understand their pain. And we were a persecuted and are still in many ways a persecuted minority. And we need to find common ground. I think that if the African-American leaders will hear more of those statements, then they will be able to rein in and send their messages from their churches and from their ministries that could actually create a greater sense, yes, it's going to sound very 60s, a greater sense of brotherhood and connectedness to to the Jewish people. I hear you. I hear you. But first of all, um, you're saying, and I hear your attempt to differentiate between the days of Achashverosh, and today, um, I'll tell you, we're still in the days of Achashverosh. Like, if, if if someone were to tell the story, <laughs> starting with 2016, it would probably start with, Vayibi me Achashverosh. <laughs> and, and, 
and okay, but in in terms of your point, I think that going from I think that going from this place, which is where we open ourselves up to the African American community in a healthy way to make them see that we actually um, understand what it's like to be persecuted, to be chased, to be limited, to be told that we don't have the same rights as everyone else just because of who we are. Uh, we, to, to, to express that kind of solidarity with the African-American community, I think is, is something positive. I agree with you. And we could um, you know, reach out. There can be from Jews who are working in, um, for the charity organizations that will help um, underprivileged um, um, children. And, but, but what we're talking about going further and getting involved in what is a political firestorm and, and issuing a statement within the, the tumult, that, that's, where, that's where I'm not with you. If we would have issued this statement um, five years ago or, or, um, or t- uh, six years ago, seven years ago, before these issues were, at that point, we would have reached out, then maybe, yeah, we wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have been seen as, but at this point, um, I, I think that, that we, it's just too dangerous to um, um, put ourselves in the spotlight. I okay, think so Common, you, you want us to basically sit with our hands uh, underneath our backsides and say, well, you know, we, we missed a choice, but we got to, like you call it a firestorm, and who knows where things will boil over. Look, I don't know what's happening now, and uh, I'm sort of like stuck in front of this computer, and I don't always check the news. So I don't know, but I do know one thing, that it's very easy for aggression, resentment to ricochet historically from the man what's considered the people in power and to zero in on the weaker little brother. And that has been in the Newark riots in the Crown Heights riots. It's been centered towards the Jews. So not only am I saying that the mental. Well, I'm going to interrupt you there. I'm going to interrupt you there. That's not fair because in those cases, the riots were direct results of the interactions between the Jews. Only and in the, the Crown Heights case. And in those cases, certainly, well, certainly in the Crown Heights riots. I think that where we have made the mistake, where we have not, you know, if we move into a community and we start buying out houses and start sort of pushing people out, I think there, where, where the issue is on us, I'm going I'm to completely concede that we have to step forward. And when we do move into a community and start buying up houses, that we have to build a relationship. With the with the with the ministers, with the with the aldermen, with the leaders of the community of the African American community, and explain to them what it is that we're trying to do. The reason why everyone's moving here, in the case of Crown Heights, is in order to to build themselves around this central figure uh, who was who was um, a, you know the leader of the Chabad community. I, I think there it's different, but where there is a battle going on. But, and, and even though we're not commenting on it, this is a battle between the African-American community sentiments and the position of those coming from the direction of, of the uh, police department and the way that they behave and things like that. There, 
I don't think that's our issue. I, th- I don't think it's our business. I think we need to go to the African-American community and just say in general, we haven't done enough for you. We haven't worked well with you. Let's make those changes so that they see that we are not those people who believe that their lives don't matter. Okay. So, again, you're dancing around a lot, and I appreciate your skill. Uh, I, I, I welcome the opportunity to dance again at one of our children's weddings with masks on. <laughs> Maybe we'll do the minuet on different sides of the ballroom. But again, here you go again. Just wait. Just wait a second. Okay. You, you <laughs> talked. I'm recording. You're recording. Give me a chance here. Look, the, um, I said before, I'm not saying we should issue a statement saying we condemn the Minneapolis Police Department. I'm not saying we should say that. What we should say is that we, the OU, the Aguda, Satmer, I don't care, United Synagogues of America, well, that's these conservative, but okay. We need to say we express our pain and hurt over the fact that uh, of the death of anybody. And we need to show that we care. We have to show that we care. And you're right, it's not going to, it's, Unless we change from the ground up, you're correct. It's not going to change. You know, when I was a teacher in an elementary school in Borough Park, um, in Flatbush, um, and I taught Lamud Echol, one of the uh, punishments of Gehenim that uh, I had to go through in this veld in order not to suffer for my Averis in the in Oyoma Emes, um, I taught a special group of Hebra, and the city, the program I was uh, working for was a program that was funded by the city. It's called Title I. And um, I took uh, the kids that the all the rebellion wanted to throw out, all the English teachers wanted to throw out. So I had to take them for Title I uh, learning. And we they gave us a classroom that had no windows, that was completely unventilated, that was in behind the lunchroom. It was, and I tried to do what I could to work within that. It would never pass Corona standards, believe me. So it came the uh, the, the week in, in, in January leading up to uh, Martin Luther King's birthday, uh, the national holiday. And I did a whole program about Martin Luther King with questions and discussions and with sheets that I developed. And when the... Um, when the uh, supervisor from the city came, the supervisor, she loved what I did because, of course, I am. I, I try to put a lot of work in, into my teaching. But she also said to me, "This is," he says, "I've been supervising for 15 years in the New York City schools and going to the Orthodox schools. This is the first time I've ever seen uh, the Orthodox teachers actually teaching about Martin Luther King." And allowing the kids to understand what the significance of what King was and what he brought to the table and the African-American struggle. Now, I'm not saying this to give myself praise. I'm saying, I was doing it my first year. I'm a Kailu guy who's down on his luck who had to take this job. The teachers who've been doing it for years, it should have been, as you said, it should have been in the curriculum, in the curriculum from day one. 
the curriculum of not just Tselem Elokim Kalman, which can easily be said you can lose your Tselem Elokim if you act like a Chayarah and you burn something. It needs to be without the Frumkite. It needs to be about you're an American. This country was built in many ways on the backs, like Lincoln said, with the lashes and the blood of people that were brought here by force. And these are the people that we interact with, and we need to recognize that there is a, a there there is an incredible debt and pain that is still unpaid that we still are benefiting from, and 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 it is an ugly thing that needs to be talked about, and kids can't understand it, and that 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 you that that's that's where it has to start, and that well, has to. You you you'll hear no argument from me on this. In fact, that may actually be uh, my position that I was suggesting. But it has to go all the way up, Kalman. It has to go from there. can't just be Kivalevich in, 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 in the cellar I agree with you. doing that. And I agree with you, but that's different than issuing political statements. It's not political. What it is is, is that it, once you start, and it goes from the little children to the Gedele Ador, to the Rabbonim, that, and to the secretaries that give those statements, then we can at least show to the Velt, that we are, we are what we preach we are. We are, we're Deirish Tevla Amoy, and also to the whole Bria. And, and especially, even though it means, Kalman, bending over backwards and trying to be better. And, and I think what happens, especially in New York, is it becomes tit for tat. It's like, you want us to show you, COVID? what about this and this and this and this? What about this attack and this and this and this? We need to be mavat there, using Jesus's terms to turn the other cheek, and we have to say, "Yo, enochinami." It's not fair. The critic, we're not getting the covet back. There's still attacks that are going on, but we have to be consistent in saying that we have rahmanis, we care, we understand it. It was an avla. There's a lot that needs to be worked. Society needs to get better. And that the way we're going to be Messiah, not just at Selim Alikim, we need to have a tikkun in the Velt. And the tikkun of the Velt, part of the restoration of the world and what we daven for, when we daven for Mashiach, is for a more moral, civil world where minorities and others are treated with covet and respect and there isn't uh, to them. And that, that statement, I, I think, is lacking. If you call that political... I, I, I agree with you. I just, again, you're talking about being better. I do agree. We need to be better. I think what our debate is, you know, how do we how do we express that? I think we express that in terms of actions, and and actions not just they speak louder than words, but actions have more meaning than words, and they're actually safer because we're not looking for the credit. We're not looking for the world to look at us and say we just want to do the right thing. We want to build a, a good relationship with our with our neighbors. And I think a lot of a lot of the issues has goes back to the fact that many of the educators of the of the recent past grew up in 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 Europe where where the non-Jew was uh, basically was uh, was dangerous as we saw with what happened during the Holocaust and so many people from the Heim all they remembered was that the guy wants you dead i think when when uh, when they came to the united states um, you know, some people never made that adjustment and carried those prejudices and those those um, old feelings. I mean, wh- what are your thoughts on on how this came to be? Okay, well, first of all, just if you're mentioning what happened in the Holocaust, obviously Kristallnacht, which some people say 
is the beginning of the Holocaust, was a result, of course, of police, um, if not brutality, but the fact that the police stood on the side and allowed uh, all the raping and pillaging and murders to happen. So the idea that the government forces, the political forces of the government, the arms of the government, um, have many times uh, turned against us. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons. Uh, again, I'm not getting into the gun control debate. You can, Ben Shapiro could say this better than me, but you could talk about why, you know, there's, there's, a, people feel that people, I, I am actually against Ben Shapiro on this, but I think he's right that Jews have a history of the government going the other way. And we know what that's like. That doesn't mean we agree the government, we have to, this is a malchushul chesed, but we have to understand that there's, there's, there's a ring of truth from where they're coming from. Um, but where do I think this coming from? Uh, where do I think this develops out of, uh, in, in, by us? Look, there were, as I mentioned before, you're too young to remember, but the, the riots of the 1960s, uh, which the, the Jews were attacked and beaten because they were an easy target, uh, and it wasn't like Crownites, um, that it generated white flight. And, and the whites, unlike places like Borough Park, and, and the Bronx and other places where it was hard for the Jews to extract themselves, uh, throughout America, in many communities, including Chicago, where you're sitting, uh, there was uh, a flight to the suburbs, a running away, uh, a sense that, um, um, that this is wild and we need to uh, escape from that. I, I can tell you, um, and, and I think that there was a sense that, that this is the, this is the unleashing of, of, of this is what the parents told the kids we're running away because we got to run away from the hooligans run away from the thugs and that i think built a sense that the underprivileged urban community was a community of thugs and drug dealers rapists murderers and there's they, they are unsalvageable stay away do whatever we can um i i will tell you common i think just to to wrap this up because I think I don't think we're going to come to uh, uh, an agreement on this. It sort of reminds me of our, like I said, the Trump debate that we had. Uh, I think that 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 what you're talking about, which is uh, do good deeds and and don't ask for credit, doesn't work in the year 2020. In the year 2020, we need to do good deeds and then do a hashtag about it. Otherwise, it doesn't get known. And I, I, that's that's just the way it is. We, it can't just be uh, some story in Reader's Digest about some Hasidic kids that helped out uh, in, in an underprivileged area. We need to be up there with our tweets and whatever it is out front. But let's wrap this up, Kalman. I think a lot of where I'm coming from, you know, listen, the child is the father of the man. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. My parents were European. But I was born in a community, I was born in, a, in Memphis, which was a community, a southern community, uh, that even when, by the time my parents moved into our first home, there was already people moving away. The community was becoming more African-American. And by the time I was 10 years old, we were the only Orthodox, only Jewish family with young children on the block and in, the, in a, 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 a 10, 12 block radius. So basically, I grew up in my formative years from, I would say, 9, 10, till 13, till I went away to yeshiva, that when I wanted to go play with someone, the people I played with were the African-American neighbors that I had. And um, my dad uh, had a business 
that was reliant on African-American clients. My dad's business was he had real estate. And most of the apartments, almost all the apartments, uh, the tenants were all African-Americans. And almost every uh, Friday night, uh, they came to our house uh, after Kiddush. Uh, they came to borrow money. They came because they were getting uh, this. They gotten there uh, from whatever work they had. They were celebrating. They were coming. There was intoxication. But for me, what I I grew up with a tremendous amount of familiarity uh, with that community, and um, I came to recognize. A tri- uh, this, not only the spirituality that, that that's there in all humans, but especially I think a kinship. When I would uh, speak to the African American children about m- where I was coming from as a Jew, and they'd say, "What's my Hebrew name? What would be my Hebrew name? What would my name be uh, if I was a Jew?" And I can tell you that those, uh, believe me, they always and I, I might sound racist there. They were always better than me in sports. And they always, but I was part of their playing and part of their game. And I think that that's the reason why this specifically hurts me so much. Because I, I think that, that this is, this is a, a wound that we have opened instead of being able to close it. So let me ask you, Kalman, you, the father is the child of the man. You grew up in England. What sort well, of. In England, it was really very different. We didn't have the, uh, the situation as it's uh, as it is in the United States, and uh, and um, I mean, I, I can say that you know we grew up with the impression that um, everyone in England that isn't a Jew is an anti-Semite and likely a Nazi. But uh, I don't know if that's so much a racist comment as much as uh, that was actually shown. I mean, anti-Semitism in Europe has been dormant but present. Um, you know, throughout the 20th century and, uh, and with the 21st century, it started to become a little bit more present. So there were a lot of neo-Nazis and there was a lot of anti-Semitism, but there wasn't much interaction with the African-American community because the African-American community, um, you know, there aren't the same numbers. And this is before um, the uh, great mass immigration of the uh, Muslim communities into Europe which um, which um, created a whole new kind of um, of, of uh, situation. So so I, I wouldn't have that. But uh, you know, coming to the United States, I, th- I think you don't have to spend much time here before you realize that this is one of the primary issues, um, and, and which which continues to rise up again and again. And I think that um, I think that there have been no good um, solutions presented um, because it keeps coming up again and again. And I I think that, uh, again, I'm going to stick in my little poke here. I I think that issuing statements isn't the solution that's going to work. I do think that there, we do need to do something about this. I think that, um, again, my emphasis on, on getting involved, you want to hashtag it, you can hashtag it, but without the political statements, you can say, here's what we're doing without saying, and therefore, you know, we're condemning such and such behavior, or we are choosing a side, even if we have a side, and even if we do condemn it amongst ourselves, to issue statements like that also provokes, and we're not in the business of of provocation. Well, I would say, again, I think there's a lot of truth to some of the protests that say that white inaction leads to 
violence. And I think that there needs to be a voice and, and we need to be the more, we are the moral teachers of the world and we've got to add our voice to that. How it's actually phrased, I'll leave it to the, polit- you want to call it politics, I'll leave it to the Chachamim, the Pikchim, the Moshe Shares, the Zweibels, the people who know, they've made statements like that in the past. I think it, it, it's missing. And, 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 and if, if those statements aren't made, not only I think are we missing our, our chance to be toyrim as the Mamlechas Kayhanim and Goykodesh, I think we're also opening ourselves up, Hasvisholim, to becoming targets in the future. So, Kalman, that's about it for today. Hopefully, there will be Sholem on all fronts in terms of Rafuas, Yeshuas, and a, uh, a, 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 a Diuch, Ha, ha Esh, Ha Levovois. And there should be only, we should only have Sholem uh, throughout the streets. He's Kalman Warch, my Chavrusa. And we'll try to keep this going. We'll see you, Hashem, next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.